The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about celebrity divorces and you. (laughs) You may be wondering, what do you have to do with celebrity divorces? And unless you've had an affair with one of them that broke up their marriage, um, I guess that might be confusing. But what it has to do with is that, first of all, every day there is some story in the headlines about a couple, celebrity couple breaking up, getting a divorce, filing for custody. And um, what, what does this mean to you besides a pure prurient interest um, in their dirty laundry that's being hung out to dry? Um, what it means, actually, is that it's an opportunity to ask yourself questions. Um, you know, when you find out, for example, why some celebrities are breaking up or getting a divorce, why they're fighting over how, it, how it, the marriage um, resulted in this all-out war uh, for custody over their kids and so on. And so... Um, you know, although of course it's sad and celebrities do have the extra problem of having their dirty laundry aired, you know, it's all, all over the internet, all over television, magazines, and so on. Um, you know, that's part of the price of being a celebrity. But, and of course there are always false rumors that go along with any kind of relationship issue that celebrities have. So yes, it's really, it is really difficult for them. Um, and but at least it you know if if it was Joe Smith down Mary and Joe down the block who were getting a divorce um, their their story all the details wouldn't be plastered all over the news so which would be good for Mary and Joe but it wouldn't give you up the opportunity to think about some of these issues and so let's talk about um, some of the current uh, such celebrities in the news and what's going on with them. One of them, and of course, take, take, uh, take, get the take-home lessons from them. John Goslin, you remember John Goslin? He was the part of John and Kate Plus Eight. Um, they became famous for that show, and he has just filed for custody of his 11-year-old daughter, Hannah. Now, you know, of course, the first thing that strikes one listening to that is why is he only filing for custody of one child out of eight? I mean, needless to say, um, I mean, this happens all the time uh, when parents, not just for celebrities, but when parents file for divorce and file for custody, sometimes 
um, some parents want to split the children up. They think, well, you know, if we have two children, we'll each take one, like they were cupcakes or something. Um, or if we have four children, we'll each take two. I mean, there's something to be said, depending upon the ages and, and all of that, there's something to be said for perhaps the younger children being staying with the mother or there might be, I mean, you know, especially if the parents are separated by distance, there could be special circumstances. But on the whole, you don't want to just take one child out of eight or one child out of two um, and separate them because because it makes all the other children uh, jealous, and even if they would prefer to stay with their mother, in this case with John and Kate, even if the other seven wanted to stay with Kate, um, it would make them feel as though, why does dad, especially the girls, why does daddy just want Hannah? Why, why is she the best? He must like love her the best. So it creates all kinds of problems. It creates problems for Hannah too, um, you know, making her feel guilty that uh, that she was the one who escaped what she uh, complained about in terms of being in the house just with Kate. I mean, that's the story. This is why, um, well, again, this is all still in the very early stages. There are conflicting reports, but, but, but John's lawyer does admit that he has, in fact, filed for custody um, of, of Hannah. Um, and and um, the, the, the reason, supposedly, is because she's the one who has currently expressed her uh, unhappiness being with Kate, Kate, Kate being strict, um, Kate making her feel uncomfortable, and especially Kate continuing to put the kids on TV, and Hannah doesn't want to continue being on TV or being in the public light. So and the other reason is, I mean, again, I, I think it's true that he would like to take all of them, but he can't afford them. Um, his his financial situation has totally gone down the tubes, and it's just not practical that he would be able to support, he's hardly able to support himself, no less able to support more of the kids. Um, but... Um, you know, she, he, he has, uh, the, the attorney has said specifically, John's priority is what is best for the kids. He will fight for them. John is currently not commenting on the situation. His focus remains on his children. This is what his lawyer said. So uh, what that implies is, first of all, fight for them. That means um, go to court. And for them, that means more than Hannah. He would like more than one child um, to be with him. Now, you know, it is really when you when you look at the story of their relationship. I mean, it's oh, it's it's generally really sad when you look at what happens with couples, not just celebrity couples, but people who um, get married. They're all starry-eyed. And um, where do things go wrong? And you, you wish you could sort of roll it back like a tape recorder um, and, and go back, you know, or like edit it um, so that you could go back to the part or parts where things started going wrong. And if you could only just edit it like a movie and, and you know, redo things. Um, because it, any divorce really starts out with misunderstandings and one misunderstanding over another misunderstanding and then resentments and, and you know, it just builds on top of each other. So to look back at the beginning, um, John met Kate at a company picnic in 1997 
They married in 99. They had twin girls, Kara and Madeline, in 2000. And then, ironically, John was originally against having a third child, but they eventually decided they would try again. Now, that means Kate persuaded him to try to have another child, and and he listened. Um, She was obviously the stronger of the two. Now, um, stronger-willed. Now, of course, then their decision to try again to have a third child became sextuplets. They had six children, three boys and three girls. And um, that is how their television theme began. First, they were shown on a local television station, local media coverage, and then Discovery Health um, discovered them, and they gave them a reality series. Um, it was called Surviving Sex Tuplets and Twins. They did it. It had good ratings, so they repeated it a year later. And then um, they, they signed them to another series, and then TLC signed them. And, of course... The rest is history. Um, and then in the 2009 episode, one of the episodes, that it was announced on uh, the TLC show that they were separating and that they had begun to divorce. And then it turned out, now, um, John says that it was, you know, this is what typically happens. Each uh, uh, person, each partner says that the other one caused the divorce or wanted the divorce. So Kate, uh, John says that it was Kate who wanted the divorce, and in fact, she did legally file for the divorce, but um, she said that John's activities left her with no choice but to file legal procedures in order to protect herself and the children. And of course, you know, there's all this speculation, which seemed to be... <laughs> which seemed to, um, you know, have a lot of um, grounding in truth. Um, he, he started dating Haley Glassman, who was the daughter of Kate's plastic surgeon. Now, of course, um, the plastic surgeon then came out and said, no, uh, they started dating after uh, John and Kate split. Um, you know, and of course, there is that gray period, uh, blurred period, when actually a separation happened, when the divorce started, and so on. Um, so then, then um, what, what's interesting, of course, is that at, he was, we know that he did start dating her, even though the original date may be unclear, but... Um, what ultimately happened was that later, after John filed suit against TLC because he claimed that they, um, they, uh, well, he, he was actually, they claimed that he violated his contract because he was doing other television shows. And then, um, and then during his deposition, um, good old Haley Glassman found out that John had been dating Kate Major, who was a reporter for the Star. It's always, you know, it's always, uh, you have to scratch your head when women who steal guys from their wives or, well, okay, question mark, may have stolen a guy from his wife, when a guy cheats with her, let's put it that way, and then she finds out later, lo and behold, he's cheating with someone else, and they're always so shocked. How could he have done that with me when, you know, he did that before? For her. So, um, anyway, uh, there's a child support order for $22,000 a month. Now, meanwhile, John um, has, who originally worked as an IT guy, um, has been, you know, ever since he, he's no longer been, ever since they divorced and the show 
um, ended in terms of them being the two of them, he's um, gone down to, well, he's, he's had jobs, let's put it this way, that don't, um, that don't pay him as much as having been on this um, well-rated television show uh, did. And he then also, for a while, he got work as a television personality on various shows. But then he started doing construction work, and um, it is said that the, his last jobs are as a waiter and or a mater day. And there was one report, at least one report, that talked about how he was being evicted um, from his house because he couldn't afford the payments anymore. So John, I mean, you know, it's 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 you know, it's not good for John, and it, it isn't good for Kate. Kate apparently, you know, has explained the fact that she does keep doing television or tries to with the kids um, as their only means of support. So um, it isn't good for John. It isn't good for Kate. And worst of all, is it for the kids? So we'll talk more about uh, other celebrities who are in these various stages of marital unbliss when we come back, and, and also we'll be talking about what this means for you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about celebrity divorces and you. So here's um, this just in um, today, actually. Uh, well, actually, on Monday, um, it was on Facebook. So we have a couple who isn't getting divorced because they haven't made it down the aisle yet, and that is Bristol Palin. Apparently, she was planning to get married to her Medal of Honor recipient, Dakota Meyer, on May 23rd. They plan to have a Memorial Day uh, wedding in um, Kentucky. And all the people were invited, and I get the impression that there were lots of people invited. 
and um, and lo and behold, they called it off um, on Monday, so uh, approximately four or five days before the wedding was to take place. And it was announced by Sarah Palin on Facebook that... Um, Bristol, this is what she wrote, quote, Bristol and Dakota couldn't be more thankful for the love and support of family and friends over the past months while preparing for their wedding. They have informed loved ones that unfortunately the announced celebration planned for May 23rd will not be held. I mean, that, you know, of course gives nothing away. Um, They apparently uh, got engaged in March. And I know I always tell people that... um, well, first of all, you should date for at least a year, but it is even better um, or a good idea to be engaged for a year because during that time, you find out things about each other that you didn't know if you rushed into it, um, and and it's better to to really be sure that this is the person that you want to marry. So I'm not faulting them for calling off the wedding. I mean, actually, that's a courageous thing to do when you have everything set up for a wedding and all the people invited. What they're going to do, they're planning on keeping the, the keeping an, a, a celebration. They're calling it um, a celebration to celebrate life on May 23rd. The families are going to still get together, and the people who uh, had planned their trip to Kentucky apparently are still coming, and or at least some of them, and... Um, and they're going to have a celebration of sorts, which is actually a good sign. Uh, you know, there's no hard feelings. It doesn't seem like either one of them cheated, or I don't know that they'd be uh, celebrating together on that date with their families. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, if I had to guess, um, well, there were, <laughs> before I guess, um, there have been reports that uh, in the tabloids that the groom-to-be... Dakota Meyer never divorced his first wife, but Bristol wrote I lo- on Facebook. Bristol and her mother wrote on Facebook regarding salacious headlines in recent days about secret wives. Dakota and I discussed our past relationships prior to our engagement. Dakota was legally divorced years ago, as any good reporter could and should have disclosed to readers. As usual, false stories and dramatically written headlines begging controversy should be disregarded. And we have faith that our privacy will be respected at this time by those with decency. Thank you! Exclamation point. Now, if I had to, I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I could tell you, but I have no idea the specifics, the details as to why they did this. But um, what I really think is that Bristol has still has feelings for, has not quite gotten over uh, Levi Johnson. She has a son with him, Trip, who's now six years old. He actually got married um, uh, since then. I mean, um, he is married currently. But um, I would not, I would suspect, I do suspect that that Bristol um, still has feelings for him. And when it came down to the deadline of the wedding, um, she wasn't really sure that this was who she wanted to marry or that she wanted to get married altogether, that maybe perhaps if she didn't get married, she might have, there might still be a chance with Levi. Now, of course, her relationship with Levi, I mean, I don't know, that doesn't seem terribly realistic because their relationship was very volatile. 
They, um, you know, after they broke up, they got back together again. Uh, he was saying all these things about her family and apparently um, wrote, wrote uh, um, things about it. And, I mean, you know, I don't know that she's able to take back or forgive or that, you know, one could wash that slate clean. But um, still, it seems like that may well have been a more passionate relationship than... Um, what she currently has. And it's also interesting that she's marrying someone who's a Medal of Honor recipient, which would, of course, make her mommy happy because um, if she has, well, presumably she does still have political aspirations, and it would be, um, it would be helpful to her campaign if her daughter was married to a Medal of Honor recipient rather than a guy who had uh, dropped out of high school. <laughs> I know, I'm so cynical, but hey, watch when you find out, if we find out, um, what actually happened. Just remember, you heard it here first, and probably you'll only hear it here. Now we have another example of um, a relationship in the news. Um, there is Robert Pattinson, um, you know, of vampire fame, who um, is supposedly fianced with uh, FKA Twigs. Um, who is a, they're both British, she's a singer and dancer, and certainly not as famous in any uh, way as he is. She's supposedly worth, though, about $6 million. Um, he's worth about $100 million. And he was questioning whether, there, you know, there are all kinds of um, different reports whether or not they're going to get a prenup. And some reports, some earlier reports, came out and said that he was not going to get a prenup, that, you know, it wasn't romantic to get a prenup. And then now reports are saying that, yes, he is going to get a prenup because there is this difference in uh, their, their net worth and because he was, of course, uh, betrayed by Kristen Stewart. Now, I think, here's another example of um, someone rushing into marriage when really they aren't over um, the person who they were with before. Um, and and Robert Pattinson, the relationship that Robert Pattinson had with Kristen is a lot more recent, of course, than um, the relationship that Bristol Palin had with Levi, but still. Um, so I think, he, I think Robert is rushing into this marriage. I think it's going to be, it is so going to be a mistake. Um, in fact... In fact, already, S.K. Twiggs has been quoted in articles complaining. She's not even married yet. <laughs> and she doesn't have the prenup yet. Um, but uh, she's been complaining about how difficult it is to be the girlfriend or the fiancé of uh, Robert Pattinson because he's so famous and he's so busy because he's so famous and, and she sort of gets lost. I mean, this is such... Um, garbage, because really, um, people did not know, I mean, she certainly is in, besides the amount of money that they are worth, she certainly does not have the fame in any capacity as he does. And um, it's only because, or I shouldn't say only, but certainly being his fiance, having a relationship with him, and then being his fiance has helped her career, her career tremendously and would help her career if, in fact, they got married, which I'm hoping won't happen. I'm hoping he's going to wake up before he actually walks down the aisle, prenup or not. Um, so uh, 
they, um, Robert had been dating Kristen from about two, 2008 to 2012 until, of course, it broke there. Someone took a picture of her uh, in a compromising position, <laughs> not, not in bed, but kissing Rupert Sanders, who was the director of Snow White that she had starred in, which she stated was the biggest mistake of her life. But um, we don't know, of course, if she would be still stating that if, you know, if her relationship worked out with Rupert. But in any case, um, you know, she was she was sorry that um, that she lost Robert, and they tried to get back together for a while. It didn't really work because he really his family didn't like her because Kristen had betrayed him, of course, and um, and they, you know, it just didn't it just didn't work. And I think that um, Kristen was just not. I think she she didn't really realize as not to defend her, but um, I think she hadn't realized what she lost until she lost it, or what she had until she lost it in terms of Robert. So then, so that was 2012, or some reports say 2013, and then he started dating F.K. Twiggs in uh, 2014, and then in April of this year, it was confirmed that they are engaged, and they're supposed to get married in August. Again, hopefully uh, he will wake up before then and realize that they are both bad girls, that, that, um, that Kristen was, you know, by she tre- cheated on him, um, and that... FKA Twigs is because um, because she is. I mean, not to say that she doesn't. Well, if she loved him, she wouldn't be saying all these horrible things about him in the press already. She's obviously not very bright either, because he reads. He knows how to read, um, and I'm sure people will bring these articles to his attention if he didn't happen to see them himself. So that is not really an improvement. Uh, so here are some examples of, you know, you, you just, they're all around. Of, and, and, you know, it is, to be fair, I mean, I treat a number of celebrities, um, and to be fair, they do have a lot of things that people who aren't celebrities um, don't have to contend with, like their life being under the microscope 24-7, um, like being followed by paparazzi like um, having things be misinterpreted. For example, if a guy or a girl is sitting and having dinner or lunch or a coffee with someone of the opposite sex or someone of the same sex even, um, and then it gets in the tan, someone happens to be there with a camera, uh, which is kind of everybody these days, and they sell the picture to the tabloids, um, you know, right away the couple is faced with the question of, did that person cheat? I mean, in other words, you can't just sit and have a, have a, a casual cup of coffee with someone without there being speculation that you might be cheating on your partner. So, you know, there are all kinds of extra problems. Also, of course, the temptation is always around them. You know, there are lots of people who... Um, Largely for uh, not really good reasons, um, you know, for for self-aggrandizing reasons, are after these celebrities. Um, not just self-aggrandizing, but of course the money, the lifestyle, and all of that. So, you know, celebrity, and you'd think, yes, they sh- they're sophisticated, or they should be sophisticated enough to recognize when these people are are coming after them, um, trying to to hook up with them and, and snare them into a relationship. But, you know, if, uh, especially when 
Maybe you have a fight with your significant other, and then you're, that day you happen to be especially tempted by someone uh, who comes towards you. So, so there are, you know, there are special problems that celebrities have, um, but it still, it still ends up in the same mess, and if there are children involved, it still really ends up in leaving scars on the kids. We'll talk more about this when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about celebrity divorces and you. And here... To add the legal perspective on uh, celebrity divorces and divorce in general is Jacqueline Newman. She is a family law attorney, and she's the managing partner at Berkman, Botger, Newman, and Rod in New York City. She's considered an expert in high net worth matrimonial cases and negotiating prenup agreements, and she's been interviewed on TV and in print. So welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. So where would you like to start? Um, I was talking about uh, John the Goslins and John Goslin, you know, wanting custody of one of his children, Hannah, and about Robert Pattinson and his prenup and Bristol Palin calling off the wedding four or five days before. So <laughs> take, what do you think about all of this? Why don't you um, take it from here? Uh, I think we could speak about John Gosling. I think that that's, that one is, you know, since we're dealing with children, it's always, you know, one that tears on the heartstrings a little bit more so. Yeah. Um, in that situation, you know, it's an odd situation in the fact that he wants to, you know, try to obtain custody of one child. You know, courts, my guess is that it's probably not going to be successful. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that they would not probably separate the child from her siblings because courts really do not like to break up families any more so than the divorce itself does. So it's very, very important for kids to be with their siblings. So it have to be an extraordinary reason, I think, for Kate to really lose custody of, of that one child. Uh-huh. 
Yes, I know. I was talking about that. How, um, how, um, you know, how difficult it is for the kids. How they would be jealous of Hannah, and how Hannah would feel uh, guilty about leaving them. And how, yes, that it's really difficult. But as you, I'm sure, know, um, part of the reason why he's doing that. I mean, he's saying that it's because Hannah complained the most about being with Kate, um, and also he can't really afford to have all eight kids. Well, I mean, the finances obviously would play some role in, but I think that, you know, it's so hard to know when children of that age, you know, start to complain that their mother is being cruel or anything like that. I mean, they may think it's cruel that she took away the cell phone. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, the claim that she doesn't want to be filmed anymore, um, you know, part of the problem I think that, you know, John is going to have with that is that he seemed to think it was okay when he was involved in it. He seemed mm-hmm. to think that was okay for the children to be filmed. And now all of a sudden that he's no longer involved and, you know, he's got a child that's complaining, they're saying that, you know, all of a sudden it's really, really bad for the kids. A court may very well say this is not a good situation for her kids, in which case I would think that filming all of them would probably at that point be said that she needs to stop. Um, but I think that, you know, his argument in itself probably at least has some flaws to the degree that it was okay at one point and now it's not. Yes, I mean, he, like he tried to stop when it was um, just Kate and the kids together uh, when, they had, when they went from John and Kate plus eight um, to just Kate and the kids. Um, and he, you know, he was jealous then that she was still getting all the attention and all the money and doing the show, and, and um, he tried to stop it then. And, of course, it kind of bit him and, the, you know, um, came back to bite him because then, of course, I mean, I don't know. Do you believe that he really doesn't want the kids to be filmed, or do you think he's just jealous and, and uh, that's why he's fighting it? You know, my guess is there's probably a little bit of both. I think that, you know... I know I personally wouldn't want my children being filmed, so I could understand from a parental standpoint not having your child's every emotion being shown on TV. On the other hand, I think that it's a good way to get himself back in the press again, and, you know, she's obviously doing much better than he is financially. I think he's a DJ or something like that. So I think there's probably, you know, a dual purpose to his complaint at the moment. Um, But, you know, I I don't think it's an unreasonable stance for a parent to say that they don't want their child being taped. And I think one of his defenses could be if the other, you know, if Kate's attorneys made the argument, well, why is it okay then, is that the children are really of different ages now. And as they get older, you know, it may just be a different experience for them to be, have cameras in their homes at all times as opposed to when they were younger. That Mm -hmm. at least would be my defense if I were representing him. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, I forgot to mention that before. He does do DJ work, too. I was talking about his being a waiter and a maitre d' and how he had come down from being, he started out being in in IT and and then he was in construction. And, yes, he's, you know, kind of grabbing uh, jobs as they come. And even though um, Kate is doing better, you know, her argument that she needs to do television in order to be able to support them, of course, that's to be able to support them in the lifestyle that they had grown accustomed to. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. And that, that is the other thing. I mean, you know, look, having as many kids as she does is an expensive thing no matter, but they've, they've made a lot of money off of this whole thing. And now, you know, they've obviously spent a lot of money as well yes. for the fact that they didn't save and they didn't put themselves in a position to continue this lifestyle. And the kids get more expensive as they get older. Yes, you know, yes. She's got a lot, yes. Of, a lot of bills that she's going to have to pay going forward. And I imagine her child support is probably not so large, being that, um, you know, how much money do you make as a DJ? 
Well, right. I mean, she supposedly got an order for um, 22000 a month, but, you know, I'm oh, sure really? I doubt that he has ever been able to do that. <laughs> right, so, well, right. I mean, that must have been at the very beginning when they were both, when they both had money. Yeah, oh, that's probably though. true. Yeah, but at this point, I can't imagine he hasn't gotten a downward modification on that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know also what, you know, I don't know if he's accumulated any savings throughout all of this. I don't know if there's any kind of rights. Um, you know, I'm guessing probably not, though, from what, well, what I've seen no, of him. I read, at least in one report, that he's gotten evicted. He just got evicted because he couldn't pay. Oh, really? He was in a house where it was rent to own, and he somehow thought, that he could, um, he couldn't buy it. He didn't have the money to buy it, so he thought he could keep renting it. And apparently, the owner uh, that that wasn't what it said in the contract, and the owner doesn't want to just rent it. So he ha- had to move to someplace less expensive. I don't know. It's a mess. Oh. The whole thing is a mess. Well, yeah, tell no. us about tell us about some of the things. I know you, of course, you can't mention any names, but what are some of the typical? Um, experiences or, or situations that you run into as an attorney in high net worth cases? I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, anytime, you know, people that are of high net worth aren't really, when it comes down to the core, all that different than people that don't have that much money. But I see the big difference in many of these divorces is that there's just more parties at play. They have more staff, they have drivers, they have a lot of more people that are involved in their lives. So that is one thing that I think probably does differ than, you know, other people that, you know, the more normal everyday um, people. And I think the other thing is that, you know, they do have certain elements of expectation. A lot of their jobs are very demanding, even though jobs can be demanding at any level. Um, And I think that that, you know, and obviously their assets become a little bit more complex than when you have somebody who earns much less. So those would be, I'd say, the significant, significant differences. That said, you know, they still care very much about their children and they still have a lot of the concerns that, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't think they would have because they think they're so out of touch. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, many of my clients, um, you know, they're still, they still worry about what their you know, kids are eating at school and they still worry about who their kids' friends are. And, you know, they really are much more involved than I think, you know, paparazzi and the media mm-hmm. and stuff would like people believe. Mm, yes, that's true. And, of course, one of the things, whether it's celebrities or non-celebrities, um, it's really sad when you see, and I do expert witness work for, um, well, for all different kinds of cases, but including um, divorce and custody. And so one of the things that's so sad to see is when the couple is so angry at each other and so re- resentful and each one wants to control the other that they wind up... <laughs> spending all their money or too much money on attorneys just to fight over tiny little things and, and, and dragging each other into court to be able to have the control of that. Um, and in the end, and, and especially when it's a custody battle and the kids know, um, even if they're too young to know all the details, they certainly know that mommy and daddy are fighting over them. Right. No, I think that that's very true. I think that what happens is that people really, as you said, get caught up in the minutia. It becomes such a battle. Um, you know, it really is a battle of the wills. It doesn't, it's no longer about, you know, the extra 15 minutes of pick up or drop off. It's really about winning. It's about control. You know, it's about anger. I mean, there are so many elements, and the children really just become pawns in that, which is the sad yeah. part of this because, you know, I say to clients all the time that, you know, with custody fights, 
I said, when you're factoring in the amount of money it's going to cost, make sure you factor in therapy bills for your children for the rest yes. of their lives and for yourselves because, you know, it really, it's just such a torturous, torturous thing. And I don't care how much money you have. I say to, you know, no matter how much money my clients have, I say all the time, you know, custody battles are just, you know, something that no one can emotionally or financially afford. They're just terrible. I mean, when I have clients that come in and say they've settled custody, I tell them they've just saved themselves a couple hundred grand easily, and they should just be so proud of themselves because they just did such a service for their children. Yes, because if the parents can agree to whatever it is that uh, that they can agree to, even if it's for just a temporary period of time, um, that does save, that's so much better for the children then, um, you know, and then, of course, it gets to mommy and telling the kids how bad daddy is and daddy telling the kids how bad mommy is and mommy wants to, you don't want to be with mommy. She would do this and this. And you didn't, and mommy says, you don't want to be with daddy. Do you know what a low, uh, you know, I mean, it gets really nasty oftentimes, it's, not always. It's so awful. And, you know, what else happens sometimes in custody fights that I think people have to be careful of is a lot of times people will say, you know, a parent will think that they're empowering their child by saying to them, well, you know, you can be with mommy or you can be with daddy. It's up to you. And what you're really doing, I mean, making children make those kind of choices is just obviously a terrible, terrible thing because no, a child doesn't want to go against either parent. Yes. And the other thing is that it's very scary. During a divorce, a lot of kids, they need the boundaries. And they, don't, they need a parent saying, no, you have to go with mommy right now or you have to go with daddy right now because that's the schedule. And it allows the child to not feel any guilt and feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and it gives order to their lives when they feel like their lives are in such a state of chaos. And so it's really important for the parents to be parents. And a lot of times they try more to be their friends and they try more to allow them to have control in the situation, which I can understand conceptually, but I think going through a divorce, you really need to be able to make very clear lines on whose parent, whose child, and allow people to live their roles as they're supposed to because they, you just don't want them growing up so fast in these types of situations because it's really scary. Yes, yes. I mean, even just parents telling their child or children that they're getting a divorce, I don't, parents don't realize that that just totally crushes their world. I mean, it just mm-hmm. makes them feel as though um, that they're alone in the world, regardless of who they wind up being with more. Um, it's just, it, it's all of a sudden this happy family or this, this, even if they've had to sort of pretend that it was as happy as they want to believe that it was, still, it's like, what's going to happen now? And, and no, I don't want to. I want to be with mommy and daddy. I don't want to have to not be with one of them some of the time. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And the other thing, you know, if you even think from a bigger step is that it also disrupts their world to the point that they're not sleeping in the same place every night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they'll forget homework at one person's house versus another. And even the idea, you know, taking even aside, which I think is really important, is this image that they have of their family together, the logistics of it are very difficult for children. And, you know, parents, I think, often will try as best they can to adjust to it. And we talk about when we figure out schedules, we try to figure out, you know, certain schedules so the child isn't shuffling back and forth too much. But then the other side of that is they want to also make sure that you don't have too much time where you're not with one parent. Yes. Well, we need to take a break now. Uh, My guest is Jacqueline Newman. She is a New York family law attorney. Um, You were talking today about celebrity divorces and you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com How do you achieve the utmost success in your life, career, faith, relationships, and more? It's all here in The Business of Living with host Scott Ventrella. Scott has experience as an executive coach, sought-after speaker, and lecturer. He and his guests will offer practical solutions and strategies to help you move to the next level of success no matter where you are in your life and career. The Business of Living airs live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talking today with Jacqueline Newman. She is a family law attorney and managing partner at Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Rod in New York City. She's an expert in high net worth matrimonial cases and prenup agreements. We're going to be talking in a minute about prenup agreements because that's a controversial thing, not just in regard to celebrities, but like, you know, the question of, well, if I have a prenup, is that going to ruin the romance, ruin the, ruin the mood? Um, but before we get into that, I just want to mention some of the problems that divorce, some of the scars that divorce leaves on kids. Um, kids become, uh, and, and yes, absolutely, as Jacqueline mentioned, um, all, anytime people are getting divorced, they should absolutely right away, as soon as they decide that, Put their kids into psychotherapy because this is a roller coaster ride that is just, that just leaves terrible scars. At least therapy helps the children get through it. But you can have problems. The kids become depressed, anxious. Um, they, they feel abandoned. They have a lot of anger. If they put the anger inward towards themselves, directed inward towards themselves, um, you know, that can even make them suicidal. If they direct it outward towards others, they can get into all kinds of problems for that. Um, they have, and, and then when they get to be old enough to date, they have intimacy issues because they're afraid of, of getting married, afraid of being in a close relationship of any sort because they're afraid they're going to get hurt like they saw their mommy and daddy get hurt. Do you, uh, Jacqueline, before we get on to prenups, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree with everything that you just said. I mean, I am a big, big 
big believer in therapy when children are going through divorce. Even if your children seem that they're handling it oh so well, I still think that you don't really know what's going on. And kids are so incredibly perceptive. And, you know, when parents think they're behaving nicely and putting on their smiley faces, kids can still sense tension. And it still eats at them. And they might be, you know, the kids might be putting on their smiley faces for the parents. So I think it really is important for them to have somebody that's not related to the parents, that's an independent third party that can really be their confidant when they're going through this. So I'm a big advocate. Even if it looks like your kids are doing okay, I still think you should have someone that they can talk to. Yes, absolutely. And and yes, sometimes they do put on a smiley face because they don't want to, they know their parents are already in a lot of pain, so they don't want to make it even worse. And of course, they blame themselves for the divorce and all of that. So let's, what do you tell people? I, this has become over the years more and more of a question with prenups. Um, what if someone, I'm sure you have people coming to you saying, you know, I'm thinking about a prenup, but I don't want to ruin the mood. The, they're going to, my, my, bride to be or groom to be is going to think that I'm, you know, that I'm just money hungry or uh, what do you tell people? I mean, that conversation comes up all the time and to the point I even role play with my clients at time as to how to bring up the conversation. Um, what do I tell people? I think that it's one of those things where they're becoming much more commonplace than they were previously. And I think that everybody usually knows somebody that got a prenup um, or if they don't know somebody, odds are they still have they know someone who got a prenup who might not have just told them. Um, I think when there's family money, it's usually on the easier side to be able to have that conversation because you can kind of blame it on the family and say, look, you know, there's money for my family and it's really important to them that it stays in the family and that whole conversation. Uh-huh. I think the challenge comes much more so when you have somebody that's earned their own income. Um, that becomes a much more challenging conversation because, you know, if let's just say for this example that the husband had you know, earned a lot of income and, and his wife-to-be did not, and her position would be, well, that should still all be what we consider marital property, any income you earn during the marriage, because you're using what I call marital time to earn that money. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's the way the laws work generally, and I can see, you know, why from her perspective she doesn't want to do that. And from his perspective, he looks at it and says, well, I understand that, but I've worked, you know, the last 30, 40 years to get my career to a certain point that I'm now earning these kind of the kind of figures that I'm earning and I want I feel like that shouldn't be automatically put into the marital pot. Mm-hmm. So those do become more uncomfortable conversations and, and they can become even more uncomfortable when you talk about different types of prenups. Um, we have prenups that are what I call the ladder approach where if you're married for a certain amount of time you get a lump sum payment. And you know if you're married for five years you get X. If you're married for you know, 10 years, you get Y, and it continues on. And so then people get into big fights of, oh, I'm only worth this. And that becomes a very, very difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that, you know, the thing I don't like about the latter approaches is what it does is it really, if you don't make it on a monthly basis, if you don't prorate it through a month and you just say it's every X amount of years, then you put people in a position where, you know, if I'm representing, let's say, the moneyed spouse, he and he, you know, the marriage isn't going so well, but he knows after five years the, you know, the amount that he's going to have to pay jumps so drastically, he might want to start an action for divorce before that. And the same thing for, mm-hmm. the, money, for the non-moneyed spouse. They may want to hold on longer just to be able to get to that next level, and that's just not a very good-spirited way to be working through your marriage. Well, so you know, I, I've known people who have had that kind of uh, ladder prenup, and mm-hmm. there's also the thing, it, it's very awkward in general because... It's almost like usually it's the man, of course. Usually it's the man who has the money, and um, and and it's kind of like he's buying her. Like it's a feeling, you know. 
if you stay with me for five years, you get this amount of money at the end of it. Like, as if, you know, he would feel, he would have to question, is she staying with me for five years because she knows then she'll get the money? Or does she really love me? Mm-hmm. Yep, nope, that's, that's one of the big issues. And, you know, and it's one of those things also, you know, from the other end, um, you know, from her perspective in that sort of situation, is she does feel like, you know, I'm giving to the marriage and I'm, you know, giving you my best years and I'm raising children and I'm doing all of these things. And, you know, you don't want to feel that you're compensated per se. But, you know, it actually brings, I don't know if you saw, there was a, an article in the New York Times, I guess it was last, early this week or maybe it was Sunday, uh, they were talking about white, white bonuses on the Upper East Side and they were saying that, they think that women um, on the Upper East Side who are married to very, very wealthy men and their lifestyles, and they said that they get what they call white bonuses where, you know, if they, you know, get a child into school, they do certain things, and they would get extra amounts of money. Um, and I actually, <laughs> no, I actually I got interviewed on it to see if what I thought, and I, I said that, well, I think that there's some dynamic that may exist to some degree. I'm yet to see um, that actually drafted into a prenup. But it was a really interesting article. Huh. So, like, you know, if, if there, are cer- there are certain things that the man wants, like getting his children into a good school, and if the wife manages to do all of this, then she gets these wife bonuses. That's what they were saying, yes. I am yet to see, but they were saying that they sometimes will put these in prenups. I, I, I was, as I said, I was interviewed for this, and I actually said that I have not seen that, and I've done many, many prenups, and I'm yet to see that. But I will say that, you know, I think that what happens is... Um, you know, if somebody, if the husband, you know, gets bonuses in his work, then I think that that does flow to the wife. But I'm yet to see someone actually getting financial um, payments for doing a good job, quote unquote. But it was interesting because it did raise a few comments where someone was saying, "Well, why, you know, if men do well at work or if you know the money's fast, why wouldn't women, uh-huh. you know, that's their job, and why wouldn't they get more money if they did?" and I think that probably is a very slippery slope type of argument. Well, yeah. If she has sex with me once a week, she gets this much. If she yeah. has sex with me seven times a week, she gets this much. <laughs> I think that that's where, that's, that's where this would be going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do you see that, um, do, from your experiences, do you feel that marriage has gotten to be more of a business arrangement as compared to, you know, 50 years ago? When I grandparents think, and, you know, people got married for love for the most part and stayed together and worked out. I mean, there wasn't as much divorce, and so they stayed together and worked out their problems. You know, I, I can see why someone would say that. I think that what was going on probably in the past was that I don't know how happy people were in marriage, but I think that people did stay together in unhappy marriages for much longer periods of time, and part of it being that there was much more financial dependence than I think there is now. Mm-hmm. I think women... You know, there's more women in the workforce than ever before, and I think women are not normally as financially dependent as they had been in the past. I also think with the access of Internet and social media, people are seeing that there are options out there, and they're able to connect um, and relate in a way that they weren't able to do back, you know, during mm-hmm. these time periods. So I think all of that is probably leading to more divorce. But that said, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But, it's, you know, it comes down to people not being happy in relationships and realizing that they could get out. You know, I think there are definitely people on the other side that would say that, well, then you get out too easily and you don't really fight for it. Right, so, right. I mean, that's you know, kind of... I think that you see both arguments. I mean, that's... I think it's one thing... I think the big difference is when people have children. 
if if they don't have children, and not that they shouldn't still try to fight for the marriage to try to, you know, go to therapy. And I mean, I, that's another thing that I always say that that before um, people decide to get divorced, especially if they have children, they should be in marital counseling for at least a year um, to try to work things out. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if they're if they've brought children into the marriage, then I think that they do have a responsibility to try to fix whatever is wrong. I mean, except for like extreme cases, if one person, oh, if one person is in, <laughs> I hear the music, we have to stop, but like if one person is an addict or is abusive and doesn't want to get help or, you know, the help isn't really helping, that kind of thing. But otherwise, I, I think, you know, there's such a thing as commitment and, and responsibility to your children. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. And I would say that I think that therapy, as I said, I, you know, when clients walk into my office, one of the first questions I ask is, are you sure you want to get divorced? Mm-hmm. And if they pause for a second, I say, go to therapy. It's too hard of a process to go through for you and your family unless you're 100% sure. Uh-huh. Well, I would agree great. with that. Um, it, uh, it sounds like you really, um, you really think of the, you're really sensitive to the, all the issues and that you really think about the psychological damage that can happen to everybody involved. Well, yeah. thank you, Jacqueline Newman. Again, she's a family law attorney and managing partner at Berkman, Bacher, Newman & Rod in New York City. So she, um, she specializes in uh, complex, high-net-worth matrimonial cases. Um, she is, works with litigation and also mediation. That's, you know, so she can try to help you think about these things. In a, in, do you really want to do it? And what, what's going to be the, all the fallout? So thank you, Jacqueline, for joining me on Dr. Carol's Couch, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.